Imagine you're a worker on a microwork platform and a job comes up asking you to label some satellite images. It's mainly roads, dirt tracks, occasionally small buildings and settlements. And you need to label these images and say exactly what's in them. The tasks pay pretty well and you need the money so you take as many as you can. But the thing is, these tasks are completely devoid of any context. You don't know who you're working for or any idea what the purpose of this labelling is. The platform takes care of all of this, leaving you in the dark. These were exactly the kinds of tasks that began appearing on the microwork platform Figure 8 in late 2017. A platform which now goes by the name Appen. These images came from drones, and these drones were owned by the US military, part of a project aiming to create artificial intelligence to assess and locate targets on the battlefield in real time. This was known as Project Maven, a project ran between Google and the Pentagon. But whilst Google was tasked with developing the technology, the labour of analysing the raw data collected by military drones was outsourced to workers on microwork platforms. They didn't know what they were doing, or the politics of the work. Project Maven hit the headlines when 4,000 Google employees signed an open letter urging the company to cancel the contract, owing to ethical concerns surrounding providing technology for military surveillance and inching us closer to automated lethal strikes. But the workers who annotated the data for Project Maven will likely never know what they were doing. And they were never given the information that would allow them to make their own assessment as to whether they were happy being part of the project. This is alienated labour, in which workers are left with no idea what they're doing or why they are doing it, with purposeful barriers put in place to muddy the waters and leave workers adrift of any context which provides their meaning and purpose to their work. In this episode of the Fair Work Podcast, we hear the story of Lisa, a worker on Appen based in the UK. We hear her story of struggling to make a living on Appen, or maybe more accurately, struggling to not make a living. All this to come on this week's episode of the Fair Work Podcast. I'm Robbie Warren, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Great, thank you. Sorry, I've been a bit, it's been a bit chaotic today. I ride horses and I literally just got back. I know. <laughs> for a longer one than we thought, but I think I've got everything I need. <laughs> Earlier this year, I jumped on a call with a worker who, like me, is based in the UK. So I'm Lisa. Uh, I am a recent graduate from university. And during my time there, uh, I met somebody who actually lives a little bit further away. So after being in a long distance relationship, I ended up just being between America and the UK a lot. And I'm in a period of my life where I'm taking time off before going back into studying. And I wanted to find a job I could do from anywhere, um, remotely with a laptop and a Wi-Fi signal and abroad. So in different time zones too. So that was my incentive for looking for online work. Um, I was visiting 
the US in November last year when I came across Appen and I signed up for it. It took a little while to realise um, that it wouldn't actually work while I was abroad. Um, it required you to be in the same country of which you are a resident. So after realising that, I still decided that it would be fruitful just to do a few tasks every now and then when I am back in the UK. And for someone who's never used it before, who's never been on their website or knows anything about Appen, uh, can you describe it for our listeners? So I came across it via LinkedIn and it took me a while to really understand what it was. And to be honest, I still kind of don't. <laughs> but um, briefly, it's essentially uh, an online platform that employs people as contractors and it's a hub where they have essentially a bunch of uh, projects which you can take part in. Like you have to apply to each project individually and the projects are run by sort of separate companies um, and they require sort of various tasks that need completing. So Appen itself is a platform, that's sort of a hub of all of these projects um, that you can sort of scroll through and apply for as you see fit. And what are the kind of, what kinds of, tasks and what kind of jobs um, are being posted on this site? So the job advert that initially sort of spiked my interest and, and got me to set up an account with Appen was talking about improving AI. So there's a lot of tasks that are requiring you to do sort of very mundane things like check search results and check how relevant they are just to improve a search engine. Um, there's also stuff to do with uh, like ad preferences. So you get a list of advertisements based on your activity and you suggest how relevant they are to you um, and sort of how how well they relate to you, how much you actually do want to engage with ads like that to help improve the algorithms that suggest personalised ads. So it's mostly sort of like um, mundane, repetitive tasks that... Uh, in order to improve an artificial intelligence. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this kind of what you said about not really understanding what Appen does. Uh, and kind of you're someone who has done, spent quite a lot of time on this platform and kind of, you know, gone through a lot of the processes. Um, and it seems strange to me that you don't, still don't really kind of know what it does. And I'm, I wonder if you could expand a bit on why that is. Like, why do you feel like you still don't really grasp what's going on within the platform? I think it's because Appen itself is, is probably just a huge platform and they have a lot of sort of like partnerships and businesses that work for them and use them. So to know, to know and understand what Appen itself does what it looks like what its purpose is how it makes money um who it's working for what its incentives are they're not very clear so within each project um that is on this online platform they give you a debrief of sort of the information that they're looking for and why they're looking for it so i understand the specifics of the projects but appen as a platform itself is a little confusing I think one of the things that's confusing about it is the fact that it's heavily to do with um, improving online systems and its own online system is a little buggy and <laughs> not very well made. Like you, you click on it and it's not like 
you know, there are some, some websites that friends have made that, you know, could look better, you know? So <laughs> that also kind of confused me because I'm like, so what, what is Appen? Does that make sense? <laughs> totally, yeah. And I think it's really interesting to think about that kind of the role that Appen plays with connecting you to these different companies um, mm-hmm. and how you relate to it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And the way in which you kind of interact with it, like how much communication do you have with Appen itself? And what's that communication like? So the whole, the whole job, um, the whole idea of working for Appen, I think is so that everything can be done online and through their, their website, their one platform. The thing I would say is that I don't think I've ever had a response from an actual person. Everything seems to be um, an automated bot reply. So they've picked up on a few keywords um, or something in my query and they've sent a response based on whatever their bot thinks it is that I'm asking. And I, I wonder, how does, that, how does that feel? You know, like when you're, this is your livelihood, you're trying to make money and this is really like important to you, like, and all of your communication is automated. How does, how does that feel? Um, yeah, it feels like, it, do, it doesn't, it makes it feel not like real work in any other sense. It's like this, there's this whole sort of different kind of online world where sort of you're communicating through these like virtual means and there's no human face to it. With a, with a lot of jobs, you interview with a person, even if you do that online face-to-face, and there's a sort of face of a company that's presented to you. I haven't had a single face associated with this platform. So it does, in a way, feel slightly unhuman, inhuman, however you want to say that. Um, one of the things I would say is the personal touch for some responses might not actually be necessary. So in times where you've got a query that a bot can actually answer, having them answer it quickly rather than having to wait for a person is probably the one benefit that I could see from that. However, there are other times where you probably would want a personal touch or to feel like you can reach out to somebody. Um, Even if they had something that sort of connected other app and users with one another so they could say, oh, are you having this issue with this work? with this project or whatever oh yeah i am i did this to fix it you know that could be something that that might be more useful and then make the people that work there feel like they're in a more human environment so i just want to roll us back a little bit so you um apply for work you get accepted you sign away or you sign all these contracts um and then you realize you can't work from the states but you're back in the uk and you decide that this is the time where you want to you want to start using the platform you want to start making some money through through appen can you describe what that process was like starting work what kinds of work were you doing and what was yeah can you just give us an insight into what that was like yep um so a lot of it involved sort of checking on the online platform daily if my projects had moved from the state where they were being reviewed to able to actually work. So a lot of it was just sort of waiting around for that to eventually happen. Most of the tasks I did ended up just being um, really janky and sort of confusing. So 
once once you finally found a project that you could do, once you finally the task finally became available, there'd be a lot of times where small things would go wrong and and you're not then able to complete the task fully. So all in all from from November to April I completed two tasks successfully after applying to at least 30 30 40 so just so i'm just understanding this totally clearly from the sixth month from november to april you only were able to complete two tasks in their entirety yep two tasks and that's from having applied to loads of projects and being approved for 30 different ones around 30 different ones so i i applied to like 30 to 40 i probably got approved for 10 and the tasks were available on like four uh-huh and just due to the functioning of these systems it wasn't you were trying you were really trying to complete yep, these tasks. i checked appen every day waiting for tasks to come in i was actively thinking about the tasks that i'd applied to and or the projects that i'd applied to sorry and different ways that I could like complete the task when they were available to me. Um, there's also a lot of work before you get uh, approved for the tasks to see whether you're eligible or not. So there were some tasks to apply for where you're transcribing audio. So you had to spend like 10, 15 minutes transcribing audio to then pass the qualification exam. And so if we think about this in terms of time, if we try to quantify it, um, how many hours would you say from the kind of sign-up process of Appen to kind of checking, applying to tasks, um, completing work, how many hours would you say that is roughly? So I worked fairly inconsistently. Um, and if I averaged it out to saying that I probably did around three hours a week, it would come to, if I'm rounding down, about 65 hours worth of work. 65 hours and you've completed two tasks successfully and how much were you paid for those two tasks so i still have not received any payment for those tasks you haven't received any payment for those tasks no um and can you tell us a little bit about why that is why haven't you received any payment so before i was able to submit my invoices So there's a particular period in which you're supposed to submit your invoices for payment. Um, Before I was able to submit my invoices for the tasks that I had finally managed to achieve, my contract was suddenly terminated. I received an email one morning stating your contract with Appen is now terminated. That was pretty much it. I sent a reply asking why for more information um, and they replied with an automated response um just sort of one line saying we have no additional information to give you basically um how i perceive that is that they probably just had too many contractors working for them and they just needed to do a random call so there was no rhyme or reason really it just happened to be me being one of them but that has meant that so far i have received no payments and I'm now unable to log in to my Appen account to submit my invoices. So I'm not sure if I even will ever get paid. Um, I've managed to still contact their support team, but I have as of yet received no response. Wow. And 
And so where are we at now? Um, what's, what's the latest within your case? So my biggest concern is not so much about the hours and hours of unpaid work where I could have been doing something else um, or potentially should have been getting paid for it. Um, but it's a problem with the payment account that you have to set up in order to work for Appen. So it's a separate account that you create and part of the terms of con- terms and conditions of setting up this account is that they take a cut of your wages, um, a small cut, and then if you do not receive payment for the first 12 months of you opening this account with them, then you have to pay a fee. So my biggest concern is not only that I have sort of lost valuable hours worth of work through um, trying to work for Appen, but I will actually end up losing money from having to pay this fee if my payment uh, for the task that I did do never comes in. And how much is this fee? I think I think it's 25 to 50 pounds. So just so we're totally clear, currently as it stands, you have spent around 65 hours working on Appen. Uh, you've successfully completed two jobs which you justifiably have deserved payment for. No one's contesting that. But you're currently locked out of your account, so you can't process your invoices. And you are now for therefore looking at a fee of around about 25 to 50 pounds. And that is your total net out gain from your 65 hours <laughs> yep. on Appen. Yes, along with hours of time wasted. And how does, how does that make you feel? It's incredibly frustrating because there were so many times where I felt like I was so close to finally getting some consistent little bit of extra work on the side and finally sort of understanding the the process of what it is like to work for Appen. And I was finally there having some consistent tasks that I was going to be completing weekly. Um, and that was just suddenly taken away from me. Where I feel slightly less worried personally is the financial side of things because luckily I wasn't relying on it. Um, however, I'm concerned for the many other people that work for Appen who were relying on that little bit of extra income just to sort of like tick them over and, and help them pay the bills for for them to be sudden, for their contract to be suddenly terminated and they've got no way of contesting it. They might even like sort of lose out on many more hours worth of work that they haven't been able to submit an invoice for. So that side of things and like the principle of it and how it will affect others is sort of my biggest concern which is why I wanted to speak about my experiences and sort of warn people about what this working on a platform like this can really be like. And we've already talked a little bit about kind of like communication and what it's like communicating with Appen. Mm -hmm. When they deactivated you all you received was an email. Yeah. How did that feel and what would you have liked to have been in place? Um, I mean, it was a massive shock because it was in the middle of projects that I was like currently working on. I might have understood a little bit more if I hadn't applied to projects recently, if sort of my account activity had dried up, but I was actively contributing to projects. So I, it was a complete shock. It would have been 
nice to have a personal response i understand maybe sending out a mass automated email to everybody that they fired but to maybe receive a personal response from my query sort of asking why you know why me um why have you terminated my contracts can i get back on board anything like that and there was sort of no assurances there i think what also I would have liked is some assurances like you know if you have um invoices left over that you still need to submit like don't worry we have a way of of sorting this out for you it's like it doesn't matter at all you're just literally some random number there's of someone's like data that they can potentially use and sell and if you're no longer useful to them you're no longer useful to them and there's there's nothing else that they're going to do for you. That's it. That's the end. I will say, hilariously, I still get emails from Appen inviting me to projects. And when I go to use my login to sign up for these tasks that are in my inbox, it's it the it, the login details don't work. My account's just deactivated. So I don't I don't even know why I'm still getting those emails. Thanks to Lisa for taking the time to chat to me and to tell her story. This is the last of three episodes which focus on microwork platforms. And I wanted to turn back to Dr. Kelly Housen to ask her thoughts and opinions on the stories we've heard so far. So Kelly, we've heard three different stories uh, in the podcast so far. Um, And some of them have documented things like incredibly low wages. We've seen problems with non-payment and apparently arbitrary deactivations. Um, Obviously, these are just free individual stories. They're free people. But is there anything that we can say about the sector as a whole? And to you, do these kind of stories seem representative? Uh, And is there anything that FairWorks Research can tell us about this? These issues are rife across the cloud work economy. Um, Non-payment is a particularly uh, important issue for workers and we hear a lot about it in our surveys. Research from the ILO as well as our own research suggests that about 30% of the time that cloud workers are spending on platforms is unpaid. So that can include search time, time spent applying for jobs, but it's also direct non-payment for work completed, which, as I mentioned, uh, platforms often give clients kind of carte blanche to, to engage in. And, and this is an important part of how cloud work platforms make their money, I guess, or, or, or provide value for clients. And there are very little protections in place to guard against this. Um, Workers' only recourse is often to take up a dispute with the platform. But you can imagine each platform has its own different dispute procedures in which they tend to side with clients over workers. They also make it quite onerous um, to dispute actions like non-payment and deactivation. Um, especially with non-payment, if you're a micro worker and you're, the tasks that you're completing are a minute, two minutes in duration, the time that you're spending disputing non-payment for one of those tasks is often more than the time that it would take to just go on to the next task. Um, so in these ways, workers are disincentivized from, from 
disputing these actions um, and clients are incentivized to engage in them. Um, deactivation also is a key way that, that workers' structural power is completely reduced because workers are vulnerable to deactivation all the time. Platforms reserve the right to just terminate people's accounts without giving any reason and without any possibility of recourse. Uh, so part of what we do in fair work is try to encourage or try to pressure platforms to put in place a due process for um, deactivation. But deactivation is often based on the decision of an algorithm. So more often than not, there's no human involved in, in that decision. This is about people's incomes. This is about people's lives. We would never tolerate this in conventional um, labor relations. We have protections against this for a reason. And those are, were hard fought and hard won protections um, due process and, and protections against arbitrary termination of, of employment. But this happens all the time in cloud work. Um, and it's a reason why workers feel that they can't speak up. Um, they feel that they can't challenge the unfair and exploitative practices of platforms and clients. And we also heard um, the story of Javier from Colombia, who told us that his his work on Appen was a total lifeline for him and his family, uh, particularly during the pandemic. Um, and so kind of how important is this type of work for many people? For many people, it's their only source of income. And that's especially the case for the most marginalized and vulnerable workers on a global scale. So, so often that's the case for workers in impoverished or, or desperate situations. Uh, we know that a lot of micro work is done out of refugee camps, for instance. And so it, it does provide a lifeline, a really important lifeline um, for vulnerable people. But because a lot of the people doing work on cloud work platforms and especially micro work platforms enter into that work because of their economic marginalization, it renders them even more vulnerable to exploitation and precarity and, and insecurity. So what can be done to improve the working conditions for cloud workers around the world? Fair Work has developed a series of principles of fairness for uh, cloud work platforms. These are minimum standards of fairness that we are trying to leverage through our scoring system and encourage platforms to, to meet these minimum standards. Um, but that's a... We're a small independent research project. So, you know, the most uh, impact I think that we can really have uh, is, is shifting the underlying conventions, um, providing a template for what can be considered better practice. But really the change needs to come both from um, better regulation as well as uh, from worker organization and and the labor movement the reality is that working conditions have only ever 
improved because of the gains made by the labour movement. So workers um, coming together and, and building their structural power and demanding better conditions. That's really difficult to achieve in cloud work in the context of the planetary labour market. We've seen some instances of that happening, of workers using digital tools to come together to build solidarity, to build movements. One example is Turkopticon, um, which is a collective of workers on Amazon Mechanical Turk um, who share resources. But we have to recognize that cloud workers face huge barriers to organizing um, a, a, on a regional and global scale. At Fair Work, we believe that all work can and should be characterized by fair pay, fair conditions, fair contracts, fair management and fair representation. Platforms ultimately have the power to improve standards and the ability to choose to. Many platforms operate in numerous countries around the world, and whilst every country, every city and every worker is unique, many of the issues experienced by workers are transnational. In addition, platforms operate across multiple countries, and the practices which they employ have huge impacts on the lives of gig workers around the world. Platforms can take a proactive approach to ensure that the work they provide is fair and decent. We're actively campaigning to improve conditions for gig workers around the world and hold platforms to account. You can find out more at fair.work. This episode was written and produced by Robbie Warren and music was composed by Louis Bollet's.